Hey, 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 everyone. I got to get better at starting this podcast. Hey, it's me, Jeff May from Jeff Has Cool Friends. And this is Jeff Has Cool Friends. I guess I blew that. I'm really not getting good at these. I'm very excited uh, to have one of my really cool friends on here. Somebody that actually uh, didn't even realize how much he means to me. Uh, a very fantastic performer, super talented, multi-hyphenate, Charlie Talbert. Charlie, how you doing, bud? Great. Let's do it live. We'll do it live. I'm good, man. I'm I'm living the dream here in uh, beautiful, swampy New Orleans. Yeah, in in beautiful, sunny asterisk New Orleans. Yeah, you are you 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 moved to the Bayou. Yeah, I uh, I blind moved. Actually, I had never been to New Orleans before. A friend of mine, Christopher Berry, who was working on Django Unchained, came out to L.A. to do some uh, table read stuff, and he was like, "Hey, man, you know when your marriage is all over, you got to come down to New Orleans." <laughs> Was, I was like, okay, buddy. Was your marriage uh, dissolving at the time? And was like, no, no, no. I, I, I can't tell which one started which. But uh, <laughs> once I got rid of the wife, I got in the car and headed to New Orleans. We, okay, so uh, for, for those of you, I'm assuming the people that are listening are aware uh, of who you are just by the fact that they may have read the description of the podcast, but uh, you have this fascinating backstory as a performer, as an actor. Um, you starred in the 1995 film, film Angus, and I didn't tell you this when I met you because we were introduced by Aaron Marsh at like a divey open mic in like 2014. Right, that was just before I left. And when that you were at a restaurant, Sherman Oaks. Yeah, you were you were doing like the the tie gimmick uh, for the stand, like that was your thing, and you were like a at big guy in the tie and everything like that. And he was like, "Yeah, this is my friend Charlie. Yeah, he's he's a really fun comic." And um, oh yeah, he was uh, he was Angus. And I was like, "Wow, man, that's awesome." And in my head, I didn't want to tell you this because I don't like doing this to people. You were actually very important to me growing up. And I have a feeling that my sentiment is going to be not only echoed by the people listening, but has been echoed to you a lot of times. I, I doubt I'm going to tell you much that you haven't heard before. Well, I have a team of people that I pay to <laughs> tell me that every week. Wow, those Angus residuals must be crazy. You know, what's crazy is I'm, I am getting mad Angus residuals now because it's it's on the streaming platform. Uh, enjoy the, uh, the money that you're getting from uh, my voodoo rental. <laughs> I rented on, I won't rent on Amazon. I won't do it. So, uh, no I did rent it on, uh, on voodoo, uh, which it is available. It was on Tubi at one point in time. And right. then it's unfortunately, by the time I recorded this episode, it was not, I grew up as Angus like no, that. That was me. I, well, and who I, the hell was I, uh, well, you were Charlie, the actor. Oh, okay. No, but like when, when we talk about it too, cause like, you know, the character was a very realistic portrayal of the outcast that was uncharacteristic of films at the time. Cause this was a relatively, a relatively extroverted uh, character. He wasn't like a, a person that wanted to hide all the time, even though like the sentiment was there, you know, he was a uh, brainy. He was also an athlete. Um, and that was me. I was a, a, a smart offensive lineman with a weight problem. And, and, and an extrovert. And I, I, I got myself out there, but like with that torture of be, feeling like the outcast while trying to sort of acclimate into that world, that was the first time I'd ever seen me on film. That's amazing. Yeah, I uh, wasn't a football player because I destroyed my ankle in 93. I fell 14 feet straight down a tree and crushed all the bones. And Oof trying to help my cousin get out of the tree um but i had joined i just recently joined the football team <laughs> really? because i was like this will change my life and uh it turned out it was for the better that i didn't so i became more of a smart ass and then uh, i got into uh watching and going to cycling and down in northbrook illinois and on my way back i was in a wendy's telling a joke being an extrovert and some guy came up to me patrick Reed johnson and he said hey would you like to be in a movie and i said are you gay and he goes what and i go well I got boobs. Uh, I, I look uh, I look a little feminine, and it's 12 o'clock at night, and you want to make a movie for some odd amount of money. And he's like, no, man. I, I made a movie called Space Invaders. You know it? I said, I love that movie. And he's like, so we're, we've been looking for this kid for three years, and I think for him. And, yeah, that, that, that to me is a very fascinating story, too, because – you're not the classic story of the the child actor that got to start in commercials and eventually worked his way through taking all these classes. It was just somebody saw you uh, with this natural uh, this natural ability to entertain, 
and with the exact body uh, and sort of uh, look that they were looking for at the time. And, you know, looking through, and let's see, it's uh, the movie came out in 1995, so we're guessing filming in 1994. So you were about 16 years old at the time. 15 years old. 15, yeah. 16 during filming. Yeah. And that was, the movie came out, I was 13, 14 years old. I was, oh, wow. I was playing football even though I hated it. But I did it because I, I wanted to be accepted socially, and that was that was the way to do it, you know, because of my weight problem. It was fascinating to see that. Like I I I know it's probably something that you've heard a lot, so you know. It, but and it's not something that I wanted to introduce our friendship with in the very beginning because I didn't want to make that uncomfortable. But now that I have you here, and I'm sure my fan base is mostly nerds that I'm not the only person that that saw a confident and strong but still outcasted character in in that way like that's that's reality that we had never really seen in film before and the way you were discovered is really fascinating how was it taking that gig like was it very exciting were you uh, did you have any sort of trepidation about it you know most of my first of all I'd like to start off by saying when I met you I just thought you were a down-to-earth, bad dude, and I couldn't figure it out. By the way, you look, you're a skinny guy, you know, and you're a good-looking fella, and I'm like, oh, dude, this, this guy's pretty bad And, you know, it makes sense now that you and I clicked so much. I think the last time we hung out, I think we met before 2014. I think the last time we hung out was at that bar with Erica Rhodes and Aaron Marsh. It was, um, it was right before you moved. It was just before I moved. Um, but I will say... Uh, to get back to your question, it, it was a way for me to get out of not living on welfare, uh, not having to rough it like most of my family. I mean, if you put me in front of something, I, I'm going to do it. Even when I lived in California, I was a haberdasher and I ran the Joseph A. Van Clothiers in Southern California as a loss prevention guy and a haberdasher because I was doing the same thing as film. It, it, basically, I was there for some of the most important moments of your life. And I mean, let's face it, when we got to cry, we throw on that movie. When we laugh, we throw on that movie. When we got to go to sleep, we throw on Apollo 13. You know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you have those comfort foods, and that's what movies were for me. And as soon as this opportunity came up, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm going to join the ranks of the people that got me through beat, being beat up by my mom until I was 17 or shooting my dad in front of me when I was eight, living in a house with my, my grandma and, like, at some point, like 14 girl cousins, three guy cousins, you know, I was like, how am I, how do I get out of this and, and not get stuck? And, uh, you know, whether I knew it or not, I have always had a beautiful support team with me, whether it's family or friends. And, uh, so it was a very exciting opportunity and I was playing a version of myself. It's clear that it's very natural. And, and, you know, the speech patterns are normal. It it doesn't seem like you hadn't acted before until you sort of revealed, oh, I've been acting my whole life, just not on camera. I've been, you know, performers and things like that. And same, you know, I was the class clown and, and you know, we do what we can, especially when we're not the athletic, popular, good looking kid in school. And we got to figure out some way to, to sort of stand out and, and be something. And, you know, there are various ingredients in there. For me, ADHD was a huge ingredient to, to sort of that class clown existence where I'm like, I couldn't not make the joke. Right, exactly. I mean, we can't all be verified on Twitter, you know, Valerie Costa or anything like that. So, you know, we've got to do our best to make our mark. I feel like you should be. I feel like that's interesting. I mean, also, I would I would like to say we very much glossed over a very interesting part of your of your history. Yeah, which, I wouldn't worry about any of that. I, I think we should just. Go and that's ahead. fair. Yeah, that 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 is rel relatively fair. And um, and it's funny too because let's I, move on. <laughs> you, I like that you are really enjoying that mic and go for it. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Who cares? Um, you don't have a Wikipedia page. Which I, I find did. It, it, did. I did have a Wikipedia page. It was built. There's a fellow on there that like strikes down whatever he doesn't like, and he's been on it for so long that uh, I've had two Wikipedia pages, uh, Wikipedia pages that were created for me, and then they just disappeared. So I was like, okay, it is what it is. 
it, it, it's very interesting to see because uh, I was uh, as I was doing my research and looking into all, all that stuff and, and and reading the IMDb. I'm like, no, there should absolutely be a Wikipedia page about that. So it's there to find out that there's some dip that just spends his time reading Wikipedia and yeah. taking stuff down. What kind of an existence must that be? I'm not even going to mention the guy's name. He's not worth it. You know, I, I just thought it was interesting because uh, what I traded moving out to the Southeast. Now, I still have a place back in Burbank and I work in New York a lot um, now. But what I traded was larger roles in smaller projects for smaller roles in larger products, projects that I'm honored to be a part. That's something that I did want to talk to you about too. And, and, and two parts of that. Number one, did you write your IMDB profile? I did. Yes. Okay. And the reason that I saw that is because the way it's worded is very similar to what you just said, which is just like the idea and the belief that there are no small roles that, 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 uh, every piece, you know, like a pie isn't, doesn't work if one ingredient isn't there. And, and that is really fascinating. And one of the projects that I was very excited that you were a part of was actually one of my favorite television shows of uh, 2019 now. Is, are we going back there? Which was Watchmen. Right. Oh, my God. Are you, are you kidding me? I And when I think about that, when I say that now, I, I, I literally go, it starts with the Watchmen for me for the thing that I was most excited. Besides the big short, the Watchmen <laughs> for me, I, I when it was out in 2009 when they were casting I tried desperately to get in on the film. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of the comic novella. And then I got a call from my agent and she said, hey, um, they want you to go to Atlanta and they want you to read for Fat Man in Crowd on a show called Brooklyn. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I appreciate you. You know, thanks for stopping by. And she's like, no, 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 no. I, I want you to go. You really want to go read for this? And I'm like, I really do. She's like, it's Watchmen. I'm like, where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> Next morning, seven and a half hour drive. I read for it. I I changed all the dialogue, which you should probably never do in a Damon Lindelof project. And uh, I added dialogue, and I, I got very emotional, and and uh, I changed the scene, and then I didn't book the part. And a week later, they called me and said, "Hey, they want you for a bigger role. Can you come back?" Gee, I mean, I th I, I think that's a probably a pretty good uh, a pretty good way to do it there. And yeah, to see that because I, I got to be hundred percent honest, and I don't know if you were either, but uh, you can see my background. All right, right. This is real. This is, these are all like, I have just graphic novels, just like literally thousands of them. I, I, I don't believe in, um, in, in sort of a sacred cows. I don't believe that uh, something shouldn't be touched. I actually don't, do not hate the Watchmen movie that Zack Snyder did. I, I, I don't particularly love a lot of his, his stuff, but I, I really don't mind Watchmen. I, I kind of like it a lot. I like the ending a lot. It's a whole thing. Um, so like that prepped me. But with this one, I was like, so it's a TV series sequel to the comic. Well, that's going to some people up, but I'm here for it. And um, I was skeptical. I didn't care, I think is probably the best way to, to look at it is I, I like I, I went neutral on it because I was like, man, there's so much weird coming out. And I watched it. I was like, I'm an idiot. This is the best thing on TV. That and Harley Quinn. Those two shows were like such beautiful surprises to me. Uh, and I went there. So yeah, you were telling me that you also were uh, in the big short. Uh, you were one of the um, bond traders. Yeah, yeah. I actually went in for Louis Ranieri. And when I moved to New Orleans, I knew that project was coming in. So I had two goals, uh, The Walking Dead and The Big Short. Those were my goals. Never made The Walking Dead, but I've helped a lot of people book it. And like, you know, I've, I've been close to being on The Talking Dead, all, all kinds of stuff. In fact... I don't know if you know this, but if you've seen Who's Your Daddy or a few other movies of mine, you'll see that I have Chris Farley's jacket from Beverly Hills Ninja, um, the one with the tiger stripe. Yeah. That was built by Greg Nicotero. And I sent that off this year to Greg Nicotero uh, through a cast member, and he got it, and he was so tickled to have it back, and I felt like that was the right place for it. But Big Short came about, and I read for Louis Ranieri, and I was too young, but I had grew, grew these massive chops because I knew it took place in the 70s through the 80s. Yeah. And uh, I got the call back, and Adam McKay goes, so, buddy, before we get started, tell me about the chops. And I was like, dude, I knew this project was coming here. This had to happen. He's like, all right. Well, we spit out the dialogue, and he goes, 
all right. And then I leave and I felt really good. And then they called and they're like, yeah, you didn't get the part. Uh, they give it to some other guy, but he created a part for you. So you're going to be. I love that. I, uh, I, I do love that. Funny that you mentioned it, by the way. Um, uh, as of the day that we are recording, we are recording on March 15th, 2022. We are recording on Greg Nicotero's birthday. Oh, uh, happy birthday, buddy. Uh, Man, that's great. It, it's, it's, inter- it's so funny. I just saw that a uh, former guest of the show, Dana Gould, posted an Instagram thing of him and Greg wishing him uh, a happy birthday. And so it's very funny that you brought that up. And then I was just like, man, I feel like that name was just hitting me recently. And then I was like, oh yeah, that is one, it is his, it is his birthday. Well, how I found out that it was his jacket was like, you know, I play, I was going to play Farley's son on his brother's show before he passed away, mm-hmm. Kevin show, Kevin Farley. And then I, I ended up with the jacket and I wore it to a walking dead, like season one, like, you know, talk for women in theater. And he goes, oh, my God, I made that jacket. We took a picture together in it. So I'll post that later today. I remember um, in 2007, I was in, uh, at Comic-Con as a consultant for a production company to help them find comic properties. And we had gone to the the after party for The Mist. It was the year that The right. Mist. Chris Owen from Angus was in. Yeah. Uh, and it was like a big, it was like a, a thing. The party was at Thomas Jane's place. And we all went there. I, I had mentioned this on a previous episode, but it, it comes up here that uh, I got into the uh, I got into the elevator with uh, what's his name? God, why am I forgetting Robert him? Kirkman? Uh, no, the the director. Uh, why am I forgetting his damn name? I brought it up. Oh, last the myth. Frank, uh, Frank, Frank Darabont. Darabont. Yeah, Frank Darabont. And he was holding the Walking Dead. He was just like holding the the uh, the the compendium. And I, I was like, yeah. But that night we were like, kind of like touring around, going to different parties. And uh, our like guide, like the person who was like in charge of our group was Greg. And I didn't really know who he was at the time. Like I had heard the name, but I didn't connect that the guy that I was hanging out with was the guy that I, who, that I was like, you know, enjoying his work of for such a long period of time. He also worked on the watch. I mean, he's worked on what everything, right? Between yeah, him yeah. and and you know, like, because he was a Stan Winston guy, right? Like they they worked um, a, a lot together, and Savini. And then, yeah. I mean, they were all everybody was all connected and everything like that at the right. time. It's interesting that I think this is a good example to explain to people why, especially in in work and entertainment, that failure is not failure, that failure is oftentimes success because you failed at getting the roles that you wanted and succeeded in receiving roles that were equal or even better than the ones that you were looking for. Uh, and, and that a lot of it does have to do with attitude and talent. If you show up with the right attitude and the right talent and the right willingness to work, you can find that things are even better than you planned. And I've found that, you know, most, most of the things I do, I come in with something smaller and I end up with something a bit larger, much more entertaining. Uh, I ended up having an audition for Scorsese twice during the pandemic. And I was just called out of the blue. So I know I'm on the right path no matter what I do. Yeah, I, I, and it is, it is really, it's really cool. And, and I, I really like that for you. When, when you look through, because you did take a break from, from, from like um, the screen, from screen acting. Because, uh, you know, there was a couple of things. But then for the most part, it's like, you know, a couple of roles here, a couple of roles there. And then all of a sudden around 2015, it just starts really just ramping up. Um, I, I moved to town August uh, 4th, uh, August 29th, 2014, 10 p.m. I stepped stepped out of my car in New Orleans, and, you know, haven't looked really back since. Do you find that the food is going to give you a heart attack? You know, I, I enjoyed it for the first three days. I, I, I'm I'm not a drinker. I'm not too much of a spicy food guy, but I've the work that it's afforded me down here and the people I've met is beyond priceless. That's why I will always love New Orleans. But yeah, that, that hiatus was me, just like you were talking, you're lucky to get these things and you miss the things. And I quit acting for about six years because I was tired of living like 20 year old paycheck to paycheck and doing these kind of weird movies that were just, you know, where the word splooge was in the script or, you know, you're the funny fat guy. And when I came here, all of a sudden I wasn't the funny fat guy. And that, that it is funny that that sort of prestige is, is, is going to all these different cities, Atlanta, New Orleans, even Albuquerque, um, are, are finding themselves in different spots. And, um, you've, you've really sort of landed a lot of cop roles, which I find interesting. 
Have I? I don't remember. I mean, there's a few, like, there's a lot. I mean, obviously with Watchmen, but there's like, uh, there's shorts where you're like a sheriff and, and uh, oh, you know, well, yeah, right. Officer Simpson on Happen Leonard. Like, I, I could go through and, and just read through the IMDb, but it is really interesting that you have created a very cop, uh, cultivated a very cop vibe. Uh, you know, the stash help, the mustache yeah, I feel more than I do. I feel like you and I look like exactly different cops. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would. I would pay to watch that buddy comedy. Yeah, it would, it would just be like too, too weird. Like we'd both be bumbling, but in very different ways. Like I would have. I would have a tragic accident. Uh, there is a zero percent chance that I don't do something incredibly stupid. Uh, as a cop, I've done incredibly stupid things my whole life. So. I think Dumb and Dumber. I think I would have been the guy to actually kill you. you know? <laughs> Are you a fan of that movie? Uh, Dumb and Dumber. I, yeah, I was a fan back in the day. I wasn't obsessed like most people are, but I enjoyed the absurdity, especially with Jeff Daniels, because I've always respected him as an actor. Yeah, uh, Jim Carrey as well. You know, but it, but to see Jeff Daniels do that, you must understand that I never, I never wanted to be the funny fat kid. So watching Jeff Daniels step into that told me I could do the exact reverse that you can you could mix that up too and I think we've seen that a lot too when you look at guys like um John C. Riley, for example yeah. as um as a great are you watching Winning Time I am very much Adam McKay I have to yeah it's so good it's so great. It's so good. I uh, I I'm uh, I'm 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 kind of friends with uh, Max Bornstein, who's like the creator with with Adam. Yeah, yeah. Just watching him sort of, you know, create this thing and and be very excited about it. And I'm a Celtics fan. There you go. And just seeing, you know, watching a TV show about our bitter rivals and just being like, this is so damn good, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never I've never been a sports fan. I never, I'm, I'm like the worst Wisconsiner ever. If I like any team, it's the Steelers. I can't stand beer and cheese is not my friend. But I I love what McKay does when he brings the reality of the situation and how it affects the rest of the world. So him teaming up with Max, I mean, that's that's such a great mix. And I'm completely interested. Yeah. You know, I was a little suspicious personally with something that idea. But I, I think a lot, what a lot comes down to is people don't understand that it's the subject is never the reason that you're going to enjoy something. And right. from somebody who watched all of the worst superhero films growing up, because it's all we had, there's only so many times you can convince yourself that a movie is good. You're like, no barbed right. wire is good because it's, there's a comic in there. And then before you're like, nah, this movie's garbage. But yeah, I, so I, I definitely find that as an interesting little Little setup here. Uh, another thing I find interesting, by the way, Charlie, and I don't know if you knew this, but if you are a member of my Patreon, that's right. If you, Charlie, are a member of my Patreon, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash Jeff May. And for uh, still for only $10 a month, you can get the producer credit, which means I will say your name out loud um, during this movie, uh, during this podcast. It's not a movie. I got very excited because you're in movies. I'm, I'm literally in podcasts. It's a very different world. You have uh, paychecks. <laughs> you you get paid, uh, but baby, this is how I get paid. Um, so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off a couple of these names. I would like to thank uh, the, the the following producers. Charlie, you can react to these in any way, or you can just watch me reading names. It's up to you, your your choice. And if you want to go God mode, you go God mode. I'm into it. Uh, so shout out to Aaron Meyer. Uh, shout out to L is worried his head will get sunburnt this summer because he doesn't have any hats. Seldo. That's, I gave away a bunch of hats uh, over on the podcast. These uh, custom May, beautiful May hats. Uh, you can get one. Uh, shout out to Tony Stewart. Killed the guy is a t-shirt you could make for remarkably cheap on the internet. Shout out to, it was me, Jeff. I've been giving you $10 a month since the beginning so you could afford more gas station Pop-Tarts, keeping you sluggish, just slow enough for me to steal Christmas. That's, that's the full name. That person bought one hell of a quote, yeah. Oh, there's, you're going to see a lot of inside jokes in here, which is perfect. Uh, shout out to Cronenmeister, Cronenberger Meister Meisterberger. Shout out to Werth Clawful. Three Jacob Tremblies in a trench coat sneaking into an R-rated movie. I should call Parker Aylesworth and talk shit about TV. I should. Parker is uh, somebody that I worked with on several TV shows, and he is a damn delight. He's also incredibly tall. It is freaky. Uh, oh, no, he's on my list. 
Oh, good. Good Parker. Uh, shout out to Christy Salinas. Katie's only true purpose is, oh, excuse me. Kale's only true purpose is at the, as the garnish at a 1996 pizza hut buffet. Isn't it a bummer when you make a pizza buffet, but it's pizza hut. So you're just like, wow, this is just the worst kind of it pizza. It does break my heart. Uh, shout out to the pajama. has a new baby. Bad time to become a podcast producer. Probably, but I appreciate your money. That's uh, 10 less dollars that that baby ain't eating. Uh, shout out to verbose minimalist, Welsowski, Adam Warlock. He wants your soul. Shout out to Kra, just KR. Didn't spend a lot of money then. No, that person, that's like a 50 cent name, but they paid 10 bucks for it. So I appreciate that. I'm turning a profit on that one. Bless you. Bless Sh you, Kra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kra. Shout out to the local man at Gavin underscore not with two T's. Shout out to Jeffrey Bezos, the worst Jeff. Uh, <laughs> he could have afforded more. He afforded There's no more. ceiling Bezos, on this. On, Bezos could have gone. Although he did hear me talk on Amazon. Eventually, I can still do that because they don't own me yet. Uh, shout out to Nicholas came for the hat stayed for the friends Fabian shout out to Michael Wells shout out to uh, Stephen confidently and unassumingly walking away with no care shout out to Mr. Billy Beck Cody Beck Mike Gouts Lisa McCarty at comics book girl comics with an X and girl with a U just Pivo Dr. DNA Dr. Video you know I appreciate that I have the um the intellectuals listening to the show. The, the do you know, it's nice to have a doctor on every once in a while. I would like to thank the scene in Meet Joe Plaque where Brad Pitt dies. Oof. Oh, that was a bumpy one, yeah. Uh, I'm never going to have a history podcast, you little shits, so stop asking. Shout out to Mackenzie. Sisyphus may be happy, but he's into CrossFit, so him, chill. Also, Mackenzie, chill. Best shoes in LA. He's got these really cool hot pink shoes that I just want to knock him out and steal him. Shout out to Instagram and Twitter's at Bob underscore of underscore skull. Dustin Decker couldn't come up with anything clever. Lemming Malloy, Norm from Cheers, Burrito Mouth, Dan Hackroyd, Taurus Bulba. Everyone go watch the 1992 Rutger Hauer film Split Second. It's a banger from start to finish. Shout out to the itty bitty Millie committee, Pity the Fool, that Kelly says, get your booster, you gaslighting dip turds. That, that seems like it's two things that ended That's up looking like they were uh, two, so... Just split that last one up in half. Uh, Kelly, get your booster, everyone. Who's the master? Show enough. Shout out to Lisa Harden, Jessica Robertson, Silius Ruby. <sighs> My name is Jeff May, and this is not a Patreon name. This is a truthful confession that I do not like sports. It's an inside joke about my show. You don't even like sports. A sport podcast for people who don't like sports. That's you don't even like sports. Available on the Unpops Network. The Digital Phil is still waiting for an all CGI Silver Surfer movie or series. That would be pretty cool. I wouldn't mind a series. Just watch Spider Man through uh, Ten Foil and same effect. There, yeah. Just just take uh, drink some colloidal silver and you'll be fine. Um, shout out to Bruce Wayne made Terry fight Superman before he got him karate lessons. Shout out to the ghost of Dave Thomas, Jolly Buckaroo in the last yeehaw. Shout out to Ricky Cilantro, Big Booty Boy, 42069. <laughs> Why is that funny? Because <laughs> it's a, the drugs number and then the sex number. Right, right. I understand. It's the, okay, we got there. My list. Yep, there you go. All right, the most well-prepared dead guy. Uh, shout out to jumping rope, still a sport. Jeff not liking it, still a fact. That's not true. Big bad bouncing bollock, Jennifer Fendelander at AV Foundry. Shout out to Patrick Dore, Bart Fartigan, a Steven planning revenge while cartoon birds fly around his head. Huey, nerd numbers, the final appearance of Magnolia Thunder. Uh, where are you going? Don't you gonna change your name for good or are you gonna stop giving me money? Because only one of those I'm cool with. Shout out to Andrew. Andrew, I put producer on my resume, McGuire. Uh, Rudy, what's your favorite Pokemon? Rueda. Jeff hates competitive fun. Goji, Gregarious Gregorio, a.k.a. Rad Mummy. Kool-Aid Molotov says, eat the rich, destroy the patriarchy, comrades. Uh, Gerard Ruane. Uh, Gerard Ruane. Sorry. He fixed it phon uh, phonetically, so I would stop butchering his name. Guess what I did? <laughs> you chopped. I chopped the sh out of that name uh sorry gerard uh but shout out to gerard ruane there i said it six times correctly so you're welcome shout out to fartholomew martinez the fartiest of marty's 
Funky J, show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. Gray man of the nightmare potluck. Everyone is welcome at the table. Jeff using deep blue sea memes memes to break bad news. Tyler Wilgus asking seven. Kimball, the casual Frankenstein. And the target loss prevention officer currently hunting Jeff. I shoplift M&Ms every time I go to Target. I understand. I, uh, I think that's fair. That's my tax for shopping from them. I charge them a well, small fee. I haven't killed you yet. I haven't brought you to the to the other side. I, haven't, I mean, I'm not stealing them at Joseph A. Bank. Joseph A. Bank doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't. It got bought by Men's Warehouse. But it does Which exist. immediately went bankrupt and is now run by a company up in Canada called P&A Tailoring. I did go back home last year in July. So is this is this news from post July? Because I I definitely oh, this is free. Okay, because free because I went and I got two nice Joseph A Bank shirts at the Men's Warehouse in the Auburn Mall in Auburn, Massachusetts, for a wedding. Um, I used to get all my suits at Joseph A Bank back when I was a teacher. Oh, nice, very nice. Oh, by the way, the name that stuck out to me most, Dan Hackroyd. Dan Hackroyd, that's a good one. What one stuck out to you the least? Trick question. How would you know? Bartholomew. Bartholomew Martinez, the fartiest of Martys? Yes. Pick your sh- Bartholomew. Um, now, again, if you want me to do that, you can check out patreon.com slash Jeff May. Uh, if you are listening on the Patreon, thank you for the money. If you're not listening on the Patreon, thank you for your ears, but also kind of you for not giving me money uh again you can check it out patreon.com slash chef may we do uh, all sorts of fun stuff giveaways i got uh other shows and stuff on there but that we don't need to do any more plugs that's a, that's aggressive let's plug your well i tell you what i'll tell you what if anybody's listening that is paid today uh and wants a free cameo video from me personally to anyone because you're listening to this podcast you might be a fan the first 10 people that prove that they gave you more than 20 dollars uh, in the next week, I will send them a free cameo. Get 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 what? Get, get out of town. How could you do that? Uh, I was actually going to ask you about cameo. So that's that's very funny that you brought that up. Yeah, you uh, you are on cameo, which is so cool. I enjoy it. I, I actually just, uh, there was a new 13-year-old band. Now, I won't do it through cameo. We'll do it through Instagram. But uh, I just had uh, a lady message me for her 13-year-old son who's been in and out of the hospital. His name is Raylo, and he's been struggling with a lot of things but angus is one of his favorite movies and he's only 13 it's amazing the new audience that that movie finds i'm i'm so here's the thing about that movie and we talked about it a little bit but that the the sentiment of that movie is not really ever going to change and um i was uh i was watching a lot of reviews about the movie on youtube and one of the things about uh, one of the things that had come up in several things is about how, while bullying has changed because in 1995 the internet wasn't exactly what it is now, um, but bullying remains a constant, and the message of the reaction to bullying is phenomenal. And also, the message is really delivered between both you and George C. Scott. God bless his soul. Like, the lineup on that movie is you know you're you're doing a lot of your acting with george c scott and kathy bates right actually i was doing a lot of my acting with george c scott kathy bates larry drake who played dr giggles and That's- ryan curtis brown they originally the story was i had two gay fathers and a gay mother mm-hmm. and uh they were cut out of the film due to picketing and things like that on set because you were allowed to read the script we were shooting in your town and they were against gay marriage so the movie itself like you'll see that angus is like I, I i heard this on a podcast once and joined them for angus strikes back it was the uh high school slumber party and they were talking about how it seemed like he was just a kid just living his life and there was no real deepness to him but a lot of the scenes where i'm talking about what's really going on through my life were cut because i was speaking with my kid father who was the same build as i so it's a very lopsided movie and only that version only aired once on pbs uh, back in 90. I, I, I actually was reading that in the uh, trivia of the IMDb that uh, uh, a good portion of the of the film was cut and it was re-aired uh, like only one or two times on cable, which I exactly. think is uh, it would be interesting to see that sort of a re-release in that regard of sort of what you I guess what we would consider a director's cut. They destroyed all of the negatives that were left over. Uh, they really did not want that project to come out. And that's why it was advertised as a teen comedy as opposed to a drama. You'll notice there's not a lot of slapstick jokes in that movie, but they advertise it very much as it would be something like that. 
Hmm. Um, kind of interesting, you know, and that's kind of my revenge on that has been doing the roles that I've been doing, like doing Underground Railroad and things like that, or being the non-racist cop in Watchmen is to push those boundaries, you know, and be that guy that tells the story that's supposed to be told. And that's kind of my personal fun little checkers game I play in the business. There are a lot of interesting cameos in that film too. And I'm not sure, like, did you know that Irvin Kirshner was the director of Empire Strikes Back? Oh, uh, when very you were... much, almost immediately. Okay. Patrick uh, Reed Johnson, the director, was the very first person outside of anybody that worked on it that ever saw Star Wars. He is fan one. That's why in my my IMDb, you'll see 52577. Uh, it's about the time that Star Wars came out. Um, and so as a favor, he got Irvin Kirshner to come in and play Grandpa's friend and Pretty, pretty damn yeah. hilariously try to dance with rita moreno that is wild <laughs> i was watching that because as a kid i didn't know um and then i'm watching it again and I, i'm like wait is that is that rita moreno is that the muppet you know, it, shows rita moreno it, it's such a it was such a pleasure and an honor and it it, it took somebody to tell me who she was like because when i first got out when and george scott first got out of the car i had watched you know, Dr. Strangelove, and I'd watch Patton, and he's like, oh, well, you must be Charlie. And I'm like, General Patton knows my name? You know, and then Patrick described who Rita was, and then I knew who Rita was, and it was, I was, like, super nervous on the day, but I had such a blast. You know, the cameos in this movie, two of the, my favorite cameos in this movie were unsuspecting to me were Larry Pressman from Doogie Hauser, and uh, he played the principal. The principal, yeah. And, and I, I'm going to blank on the gentleman's name, but if we look it up, uh, the fellow who played the Snackwell's Cookies guy is the guy selling me the suit. Oh, real? Oh, really? Yeah, the um, yeah. the the plum guy. Yeah, yeah. So, see, you know, it, doing that movie. In fact, doing movies now. It's you know, Perry Anzalotti was his name. Yes, and, and you know, for instance, when I was working on uh, our final things, but when I was working on Watchmen. I said to Regina King, I said, you know, you're never going to know this joy. And she goes, what's that? And I said, sitting here 25 years in the business and trading lines with Regina King. <laughs> and she just like, take stuff. I said, you know, it's, I've had moments like that throughout my career. Like I worked with Dave Thomas on Who's Your Daddy with Wayne Newton and uh, Camp uh, and, and I was calling Camp. And it's those people like, Growing up, and I remember Eugene Levy came to set Martin Short, and they, they were all, he reminds you of John Candy, doesn't he? And your heart just fills Oof. with this incredible joy, knowing that you're you're reminding somebody of someone that was so positive in their life. You know, that's another reason I, I love. Yeah, to be known to be known for your kindness as well as your talent, I think, is really great. Uh, antagonist uh of the film and and first uh, major role as well was james vanderbeek right and he doesn't talk a lot about angus because you know through the years because of bullying i think i saw him on uh andre's show um talking about it because they made him talk about it but he he was very anti-bullying and he's the sweetest guy you could ever meet you know and i was a shuckster to him i was always poking his nerves to yeah. get him going because i i didn't know it at the time but i am a bit method from time to time and uh, that was that was pretty phenomenal. And I, I got to say, he was just always professional, always there, and always ready to work. You know, the fight scene in the prom, he took that hit, you know, and they had just filmed rehearsal, and that hit happened. You know, it's very funny to me, or it's not, it's, it's fascinating to me because whenever we see bullying, it's, there's always this, like, there's a victim and then there's a perpetrator. And one thing that they never really addressed, but they talk about in Angus is that, well, you kick the shit out of this guy all the time for, for bullying throughout your life. He's been a bully and you're like, oh no, you don't understand. I outweigh you by 80 pounds. I'm going to break you. Um, which I always thought was interesting because it, that was another thing that I saw that was real, which is like, yeah, like I'm, I'm tortured, but also like I could kill these people. And yeah, so that, exactly, that, exactly. that was an interesting thing. Comedy doesn't work, you know? I mean, that's how a lot of people developed comedy, especially in Boston where I'm from. Like you either learn how to throw a punch or you learn how to learn how to tell a joke. And, uh, I did the jokes first and then I learned the punching, um, uh, and then, of course, uh, the 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 um, the the crushy the the girl that you have, uh, Ariana Richards from Jurassic Park. This was her follow up from Jurassic Park, right? And she was also the little girl in uh, Space Invaders. Uh, she was discovered 
as well by Patrick Reed Johnson. Um, so he brought her into the film as well. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, that's that that, that is really cool. Was that like because I'm assuming that uh, well, had Jurassic Park come out at the time? Uh, Jurassic Park came out when Angus was being filmed. Oh yeah, uh, like ninety three, ninety four, mm-hmm. and she had brought the tape for us to watch <laughs> Jurassic Park. And I was working fifteen to seventeen hour days, and I could not stay awake for that film for the first four or five times we tried to watch it. I was so happy when I finally did. You know, Ariana um, and her younger sister Bethany actually uh, both played Melissa Lativer. Melissa uh, Bethany played the younger version of her dark roller rink. And of course, Ariana played uh, Melissa Lefevre during the film. That, that, now, what a cool thing that you are, you, as you're making that movie, you can't stay awake to watch Jurassic Park, which, you know, exactly. I mean, one of the greatest movies of the entire decade. And your co-star is, is you know, one of the main characters. And, and you're just like, man, we just got to make this movie, man. I'm exhausted, you know. I, I, I will say that, like, during the filming of that movie, I, I got incentives to stay longer on set, you know, and I did twice as much schoolwork during a day because technically you're not supposed to work at get so many hours. Of course. But I was gung-ho. I was like, let's get this damn thing done. I'm new, and whatever you need from me to make this work, let's do it. Now, uh, it's interesting. I was, because one of the things that I was looking up as I was researching you, you know, there's there's an article of, of about a, like, a whatever happened to you, and they chronicle your your journey. And it is a really fascinating journey about how much sort of work you've been doing and how, you know, you don't need to be the main character in order to have a fulfilling career. Exactly. You know, being a character actor, which is a lot of us in the Southeast are character actors, we come in and we can add to a story. You know, sometimes you're just the guy that's passing the information. But if you're really lucky, and I've been really fortunate, you get to be somebody that is an obstacle where you get to be somebody that helps someone hurdle an obstacle and that reminds people that there are people out there pulling rooting you know and and that's one of the beautiful things about being a character actor and doing what i do now i mean i i just played a larger role i had to turn down a nick cage film to do this larger role in a movie called discontinue where i play a father and it was the first time in my career i actually got to play a father and talk to my daughter about the end of the world. And it resonated more with me than the part I was going to play in the other film. And it's one of those things where, like, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to have those options. Yeah. And I'm going to play more. And, you know, we talk about how we met and everything. I just, I, and how I started was telling a joke, and next thing you know, I'm, I'm in a movie. But I don't know if you remember how I started my stand-up routines, like, almost all the time, was I would say... What's up, guys? Charlie Talbert here. Uh, you might remember me from the film of Angus. I started out doing film and television, and now I'm doing stand-up comedy. Boy, did I f*** up. You yeah. know? <laughs> and people would laugh and die. And I've done my career is slightly backwards. Because now, like, I take people, I train them, I, I, I do my character work, you know, and now I've written my first pilot. I've written a full cartoon that we're, we've got a producer now working on. But I've got this huge collaboration of great friends that are always there, and a special shout-out to Michelle Prada and Farrah West uh, and Carrie Miles that have helped me cultivate all these things and offered me uh, help with no expectations in return and whatever I can do to pay that forward, I will. Yeah, it, it's interesting, too, because the article that I found uh, was literally the the whatever happened to it. It was on TV Over Mind, and uh, it looked like it was a, a, a relatively recent article. And by recent, I mean like this week. And I didn't know oh if- Oh my God, send me the link. I'll, I'll and, and I didn't know if that was like a website thing or, you know, like a Google thing where it would always show up on that, but it looked very new. And, um, they, but their finish to that is really interesting because it's, they have a what's next for Charlie. And it says, okay, there are lots of actors who would have grown frustrated with being given small roles, especially when they started careers, the title character in a movie. However, that has never been Charlie's style. He loves what he does and he's thankful every time he gets the opportunity to do it. With that kind of mindset, it's no wonder the opportunities continue to find Charlie. That being said, 2022 is going to be a great year for Charlie. Next paragraph. He has a few projects in the works, including a movie called Where the Crawdads Sing, 
which is based on the book of the same name. Charlie will also be in an upcoming miniseries titled Love and Death. His roles in both projects have the potential to thrust him back into the spotlight, and we're hoping that's exactly what happens. With all the hard work and dedication Charlie has put in over the years, he definitely deserves to be remembered for more than just playing uh, Angus. And that is by uh, Camille Moore. Thank you, Camille. I just cried, by the way. That was such a fantastic way to describe that, that I was just like, well, this sounds like this person works for your PR. And I looked <laughs> I into it. The yeah. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm not lying when I say that it is uh, a very, a very new, uh, a very new thing. And I'm very excited about that. And I will, um, not only will I uh, send you the link to that article in the chat, but I will also share that article on Patreon as well. Um, so if you are, um, if you are listening to this on the Patreon, I will share that link as well. Um, and you can read that because it is a very interesting way um, to look into that. What, what I really love about that is like you are smart enough and you are self-reverential enough to understand that you're like, the, when you start out as a teenage actor, there are so many ways to sort of divert and there and you've always had a very good attitude at least from what i've known i don't spend 24 hours a day with you how did you maintain that really positive attitude when things didn't move in the way that you were hoping or or let me rephrase that that it wouldn't move in the ways that your average person would be expecting in a situation like this you know i i grew up with chris owen who is my best friend in the movie Angus. Mm -hmm. he took fame relatively quickly you know, fame found him, hit him hard. You know, James and I lived on two sides of the U.S., so I, it wasn't really in my face. But being with Chris and seeing his career blossom, in, in ways, it was quite a blessing to see both sides, my, my side of the world, his side of the world, because he, he could become overwhelmed by it sometimes, you know, and I'd have to block and defer. And then also reverse, he would help me get to the level I needed in any particular conversation to move to the next thing I did using his, his fame. And that really was a great counterbalance. Now, no, don't get me wrong. I, I three days ago I was on the verge of tears, uh, and this happens to me almost after every audition. You know, I've I've been up for this series. I, I went in for a sister series. You know, I still haven't heard back yet, but I get this lethargicness because whenever I do, I'm I'm putting myself out there, my emotions, my everything, my inner self, and it's very difficult. But then I think about, oh my God, you know, I'm up for a Richard Linkletter film. Uh, that might not go, but I, I, David Fincher's seen my work, Scorsese's seen my work, and I didn't push myself on, you know, these different people. It's because I'm doing the work and the rewards come slowly and I'm still doing the thing that I love, which is making people laugh when they got to laugh, cry when they got to cry, and I'm still getting to live out my childhood fantasy. Oh, we mentioned this earlier, but you got plucked by being yourself and sort of to have that fantasy and, and to have that sort of rescuing opportunity in there. Uh, and, and, you know, we, you know, the, the phrase rags to riches, I think is overused. Um, but really to have that, like, you're just some kid doofing off in a Wendy's and someone's just like, that kid's got it. That's my guy. And, and I think it's more of like rags to not being on welfare. Well, that's yeah. Yeah. Rags, rags to really nicer rags, you know? Yeah. Really just prettier, larger, <laughs> dude it's so funny like people they do react because they're like wow like you did that like i recently tweeted for tig nataro uh on, on you know because she basically loans out her twitter like she never goes on it because she's smart and um so it's always like other people like charities or comedians or whatever or in my case both uh and <laughs> you know i got like so many dms from former students uh, and oftentimes queer students that were like, oh my God, like the last time I, you know, I heard from you, you were a teacher and now you're tweeting for Tig Notaro. That's so cool. And there, and I'm like, it is, I need money. Like it is, <laughs> it's very funny though, that like that perceived form of fame and, and the expectation that you are going to be, uh, wealthy from that. And then you're like, ah, that's not gonna, you know, it, it, we do, we are paid relatively well for what we do even in smaller roles and things like that and it's because what people don't understand is you on average somebody's going to interview for a job three to five times maybe six times in their life you know we interview for a job every other week or twice a week or three times a week so we're only working maybe five maybe a month out of the year 
you know, and that's it. So we need the income to supplement all the time that we're not working. The, there's definitely the thing where we have to remind people that there is no hourly rate in our perspective jobs in our respective jobs. Like there's no hourly rate for me to record a podcast. Uh, and because people, I don't think understand the amount of work that goes into a one hour podcast or, or a, an hour and a half. Like it's not an hour and a half. It's five to six hours of work. Uh, and even more if you're editing yourself or you have to pay somebody to edit it or man, it, it's, it's a lot more and it's a lot harder to make it work. Um, and I'm eternally jealous of people that have what we call real jobs. And then I'm eternally grateful that I don't have one. It's the weirdest dichotomy. It's so strange. Well, it's the comfort of knowing where your next meal is going to come from as opposed to saying, I'm going to do something risky, but it's something I enjoy. Yeah. And some people are fortunate to get both and have both. And that's beautiful. And that's, that's a goal. That's a, that's a thrive. Um, but you know, the reason I quit acting was I was tired of living like a 20 yeah. and living hand to mouth. And then I realized towards the end of it, Oh my God, I'm tired of not sharing being funny with my friends. I did an opposite career path as well in that I had a real job from 20, uh, essentially from 22 all the way up to 30, I was teaching and then I retired to get into standup. So I like, I hit reset at 30 to get into it, which is in a way kind of the opposite. I was twice your age when I started my, my career in performing, um, and eating a lot of to do that. Like people will look at you like, you know, at the, at our age, people will be like, oh, like this person just uh, came out of nowhere. And it's like, no, I've been eating for like eight years, like just trying to survive. Um, I want to talk about uh, a couple of things because we, we kind of glossed over um, where the crawdads sing. Yeah. You know, again, another small part, but that was, it's an introduction uh, for a character played by David Strather. And I loved that. And it was on the bestseller list for, I think, 124 weeks. And being able to be a part of a story that moves me. So when I have an audition, I read the book. Like, currently, right now, I'm reading um, The Devil in the White City. I have no audition for this. It's a movie that Leonardo DiCaprio is doing, Scorsese's producing, and they're trying to get Keanu Reeves to work on. But I tweeted the other day, you know, I said, it said, uh, Keanu Reeves is currently in talks to work on Devil in the White City. And I tweeted, uh, Charlie Talbert is currently also currently in talks to work on Devil in the White City, but only with himself. And immediately the author of the book retweeted and was like, I know what you mean, man. Where the crawdad thing hit me like a ton of bricks. So be a part of that. Yeah. And it looks like your character's name is Mr. Mosley. <laughs> so uh, I haven't read the book, unfortunately, because um, I don't exist in the book. I'm a character that's an amalgamation of different characters. Okay, that is, man, you get that, that, that is a, a Charlie Talbert um, existence here. It's just like, man, they just created something for me, I guess. Yeah, they're, 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 you are a hodgepodge of something, and uh, you, you're going to make it work, kid. Uh, I come in and I do it. And, and so, yeah, this looks like a, uh, like a real prestige film coming out this year, it seems. Um, Very much. Which is really exciting. And um, it's funny because now you live in Crawdad Central. Exactly. You know, Libby Newman, who directed it, I gave her the biggest squeeze and hug. And I, I'm pretty sure at one point I was like, you know, they call it crawfish here and they get mad if you call it crawdads. <laughs> we always called them crayfish uh, right, right, right. in uh, in Boston. I don't know if that's right or not, but are you either, a... But I always call them crawdads. You eat those? I do. I, I, I do. Uh, that is a big thing here. Um, get togethers, you know, obviously not as heavy because of covid reasons but they just lay out this giant trough you know with you know a thousand or so crawdads with sausage thrown on the table and and corn thrown on the cob thrown on the table and spices and it's just the most beautiful thing you ever eaten and it just takes your stomach and flips it upside down and says welcome to new orleans land sake child grab yourself a mint julep do you um do you enjoy because you're a midwest guy moved to the west coast and then the southest of the south, I guess we could say, in in New Orleans, in the uh, in the French Quarter. Right, right. right. Having a nice little too talking like Gambit, Monami. Um, how was that shift to you to get out there? 
uh, treacherously dangerous. I mean, the minute I got out of the car at 10 p.m. that night, I got hit in the face with a cicada, which is a thumb-sized bug that Oof. fly in the thousands. And uh, and I'm I'm fat. I don't know if you guys know, know this, but I've got a you know I've got some weight to me. So when I step outside, most of the time in New Orleans, I just bring a bar of soap. I don't need to waste water. Cause, uh, yeah, it's already wet, mon ami. Um, so now, uh, we, you have another one that you wanted to talk about, which was discontinued. Yeah. Discontinued is going to be, uh, airing April 1st at the Cinequest Film Festival. And it's the first time I'm playing a father. Um, you can find that bio, uh, on Instagram. I'm, I'm Charlie Talbert underscore performer. Uh, and you'll see my photo from, uh, the Underground Railroad and, uh, follow discontinued film. And it's basically about the end of the world. And I play the, the elite girl's dad and i've never got to play a father before so it was quite uh, quite a change for me and doing that project i got to be a little crazy i got to be a little nick cage but i also got to be a little uh, sweet you know and understanding and relating with somebody in, as george C. scott did with me and, and it's really interesting too because the uh the lineup for discontinued is is uh pretty impressive when we look at it uh including working with langston fishburne uh He's amazing who lives down here in new orleans new york I I mean that's pretty rad. Uh, son of uh, son of Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, yeah, and they have a very similar cadence to their voice too, so it's kind of trippy and exciting. I remember he played a young Lawrence Fishburne in the Ant Man and the Wasp. Right. He played uh, right. he played young Bill, and it's like oh, it's like Ice Cube. <laughs> exactly. exactly. When, when his, you know, I, you gotta love that legacy. It is really. And then uh, something that was really interesting to me because um, of my uh, sort of uh, my Star Trek watching was Robert Picardo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was very jazzed that he was uh, on the cast list and, and watching him. He plays uh, Ashley's therapist and uh, he is not having a good time. In this. It's, it's quite brilliant. His yeah, I, I really love, too. They brought him in on the Orville. And I thought yes, that was really so. interesting to pull him in because the Orville is such a love letter to Star Trek. So to um, to see that sort of roll up with that, I thought was really cool. I mean, these casts are so great. These we're we're, we're talking about here is it it doesn't have to be these like big blockbuster films to be something that that you find worth your time, effort, energy, and love. You know, there's a film uh, that uh, I'll. I'll have coming out soon that I'm only in for a bit, but I, she wanted to work me more actually. Uh, Anna Lily Empor, who did the Bad Batch and uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, she sent me her original script for this with music, and I've never been so driven by a script where I have to actually listen to a particular section of music while I'm reading the script, and I've never been on that journey before. And I got to tell you, that's another moment where I got to like break down, and, and it was really fantastic because um you know it's got craig robinson it's got uh, kate hudson it's grim and 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 i um i also got to work with spud mcconnell who uh if you, you might remember him he's a character actor from southeast but he he also he was in um oh brother we're out there he's like and stay out the wool work oh great and that that fella played ignatius j riley who's a very famous fictional character from confederacy of johnson's in fact there's a statue of him on canal street and I was hired in 2019 for the Tennessee Williams Festival to also play uh, Ignatius, which is a very rare honor here because you cannot just do that show with a, without a bunch of licensing. And to do that, directed by Francine Siegel, who was the original Myrna Minkoff for that, I went to Spud. And this is how much this business means to me and this legacy is I went to Spud before I even accepted the part. I said, hey, are you okay if I take over this character? I want to play him like Frazier are my thoughts and he gave me his blessing and i went forth and did it that's awesome how was it received oh it was fantastic it, like it was that. the hit of the uh festival. i like that now um we have a show coming out i believe it's on hbo called love and death uh it, uh it is uh starring elizabeth olsen jesse plemons is in it it is a um six issue uh six episodes six issue boy am i comics um based here <laughs> um it's six episodes you are in uh two of them as a character named Lester. Yeah, I think it's seven, G Lester Gaylor. Lester Gaylor, yeah. Um, tell yeah. me about this show. Tell me about what the, because I've never even heard of this until you brought it up. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. Well, Leslie Linkaglatter, who is the uh, head of the WGA, the, or sorry, the Director's Guild, sorry, DGA, she um, created Homeland and 
plethora of other projects. She is directed the first block of this. Uh, Clark Johnson will be doing the second block, uh, which I'm going to finish filming uh, later this, this uh, two weeks, I think. And then I started in October. So it's kind of strange how the work is spread out over this amount of time. And um, it is about the, it's like the first murder in like 60 years, first murder in like 60 years in Wiley, Texas. And I play a real person who lived behind the Gores. Um, and Betty Gore is brutally murdered. And uh, I'm called to go see if she's okay. And then I, you know, m me and some other fellows discover what's going on and, and things ensue and, and the truth uh, will, wills out. And it's a very interesting story. And that also starts Patrick Fugit from Almost Famous. I what, I really love yeah I mean I because I, I looked at the uh, the IMDb and like the list of the people that are on there and I was like Jesus Christ um, this is definitely uh, one hell of a lineup here and now so now you're finding yourself like these HBO Max series which are are really sort of like amping up the sort of the prestige of television and, and it won't stop. Like not a lot of not a lot of misses on HBO Max, uh, and you're in two of them now. So like this is starting to become this like snowballing thing where, you know, you you started in a position where you're kind of at the top. You know, you're the you're the star. You're 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 the face of this. You're you're in an incredible movie to start your career, and obviously things are going to change. And then you leave acting for a little while. You get into more live performances. You get back into acting, and now you're getting back again at this like kind of snowballing thing. That is unbelievable. That is so cool. Well, thanks, man. It's a slow roll. You know, this is not going to be a ginormous thing for me, but it's going to be a ginormous project that I help create this world. And it's such an honor to do those things. I can't look at the future picture. You know, my next role might be, you know, cop, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> but it depends. You know, the, when I'm going to play those characters, uh, for instance, uh, you mentioned Happen Leonard. Uh, I'm friends with a fellow named Jeff Pope who played uh, Chubbs in that series. But I went out for that pilot six times over five months. They <laughs> could not figure out where to put me, and they finally gave me two episodes. Uh, they were like, will you do this guy? And I was like, absolutely. You know, and it's one of those things where I'm just going to keep going with it. And hopefully the next project uh, that I work on is something that I'm truly passionate about. And that seems to be the trend for me. And that's really where the joy comes in. It doesn't matter if I'm, you know, you know, Tim in the next five episodes who just walks in and goes, yeah, he's dead. You know, whatever it is, you know, as long as I'm helping drive the story and as long as I'm in love with what we're doing, I've reached the pinnacle of what I think is my stardom and my fame is I'm famous for being happy and miserable in the job that I'm doing. It's been great to see. It's been great to see from the um, from the perspective of meeting you for the first time and being like, oh, like, yeah. And then you were like, hey, man, I'm, I'm getting out of this town. You're like, I got to go. And and I was like, dude, get, get, get out of here. I'm going to miss you. But go. Uh, and then to see this sort of this, this slow, but sure and methodical, um, push back in and to really, to, to be able to choose the things and to be willing to sort of leave ego at the door, um, in order to, uh, sort of create art has been an absolute blast. Uh, and I've been really loving that. Uh, Charlie, I'm so excited, uh, to have had you on here, honestly, like it's so exciting. Um, it's been an honor hanging out. You I, mentioned, I, I do get, I do want to say something. Yeah. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, I actually worked for the Laugh Factory Comedy Workshop, helping comedians write their jokes and things like that and building their, and I got to say, like, that was the toughest thing I've ever done. And I have so much respect, especially for like Eric Ennis and, and Aaron Marsh, who I go to and I'd be like, I'm doing terrible, right? Like, this is horrible. And I got to say, like, I have so much respect for those that do the live audience stuff um and their comedy and what you're doing with your podcast so thank you it, it is an honor to be in your presence today i mean cut that out but thank you obviously it's fun i love the live stuff i i, I really do because there, it, it does feel like uh without a net i love bombing uh rarely ever happens but when it does it's such a unique and fun experience that most people most comics when they're bombing they're like i hate this i'm gonna quit but for me i'm like that was so crazy that was so wild yeah. Jeff, does it rarely ever happen? Mm. It, mm, it sure does. Mm. 
You know why? It's because I, I I rarely go on stage anymore. But um, guys, uh, if you are a patron, stick around because Charlie and I are going to have a little bit of bonus content coming your way. If you are not a patron and you are listening to this a little bit after, you can head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jeff May, and you can uh, obviously uh, come on over. Don't forget to follow Charlie on Instagram at Charlie Talbert. Charlie is with an I-E-T-A-L-B-E-R-T underscore performer. Uh, and you can uh, check out all the stuff you're working on. You have also, s- that's the same place you want to go to show me that you've donated more than twenty dollars <laughs> to the Patreon, and I will send you a video through Instagram for whoever you'd like. You absolutely can do that. You should do that. Everybody should do that. And, and check that out. And um, again, be on the lookout for Love and Death coming to HBO Max. Uh, take a, a look out for, uh, and of course, I just I blanked out for a second. Uh, we have Where the Crawdads Sing coming out, as well as Discontinued. Uh, both of those coming out. Check out Angus, available for streaming, uh, if you haven't already. And uh, if you would, uh, Charlie, you got anything else to plug? Any anything, any live performances or anything coming? You know, I got to tell you, I just want to say to everybody, no matter your frame of mind, you're always a friend of mine. I appreciate that. You're the, you're, you, you got, I love that attitude, man. Uh, if you want to hear more of my shows, you can check out Unpopular Opinion as well as You Don't Even Like Sports, sports both on the Unpops Network, as well as Tom and Jeff Watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. If you are an East Coaster, if you're going to be in New England, I am going to be home. That's right. I'm going to be home and I'm going to be performing on April 14th at Redemption Rock Brewery. You should check those out. Uh, I should have tickets up by the time this goes up. Uh, if they are not sold out already, you should grab one. Grab one, grab two. Come meet me and uh, cough in my mouth. <laughs> Let's make a new variant. Uh, thank you all. Wait, wait. Can we, do, can we do like a little bit of a fight club? Uh, so if anybody uh, knows how to make a way to pain, anal nitrates. I have anal nitrates. <laughs> God, that's so good. Uh, Stick around if you're a patron. We're going to do a little bit more bonus talk uh, after that. And then uh, we'll see you later. Okay, bye. Charlie, say goodbye. Goodbye, Charlie. Hey, everyone. Our artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at TroyNababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.